0: Please open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to be you right back up where we left off, there on verse 25 of chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and follow along with me as we read verses 25 through Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, That is, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have the wives should be as though they, they had them. Those who weep as though they do, did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married carries about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but, that, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, And thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. So as we take a look at uh, the scripture today, we speak we will see Paul answers another couple of questions that they, the Corinthian Christians had for him in the letter that they wrote to him, and he is now addressing those questions, and here's the answers. As you know, this whole chapter seven is all about the principles of marriage and things around marriage. We saw in the very first part of this chapter, verses one through nine, it was about marriages and they started going and thinking it was better to be celibate while you were married. And Paul addressed and said, oh, that's no kuka. You should not be practicing celibacy while you're married. That is not how it works. If the only time you do do that is for a very short time, for a short period, while you're fasting and praying for something and for some reason, yes, you can pre agreement between the two, you're saying we're going to not have a sexual relationship during or intimacy during this period of time of fasting and praying. That is agreed upon, and both the husband and wife agree that yes, we're going to abstain for whatever reason. It could be for a physical reason, it could be for spiritual reason, but you're going to abstain. But you're not to do that abstain forever because that is, and you don't do it like one, one spouse says. Oh, I'm going to. Come. We're not. And the other one doesn't. is not in agreement. That is not supposed to happen. Then we saw in verses 10 through 24, we saw a divorce. And what God allows it for divorce. God doesn't says it's no good for divorce. It's not to happen. It's not, it's not what his will is. But there is a circumstance that can happen. And that is, one, your husband or wife dies. Two, which we see today, right? And two, that person Uh, is a non-believer and takes off on the believer, leaves a believer and and abandons, and the believer is going to let that non-believer go. Do not try to to converse them to come back. Let him go. But third, if one of them in the the marriage has uh, adultery and commits a sexual relationship with another person, that is another grounds that uh, God allows for uh, someone whose heart is Becomes hardened because that is so wounded, is so scarred by that uh, unfaithfulness by the other spouse that it's allowed for them to, if the Lord directs and as they seek the Lord after counseling, could uh, seek divorce. The and then we saw here today, we're going to take two parts singleness, the unmarried, verses 25 through 38, and then we're going to talk about remarriage, verses 39. And 40. So here we see Paul starts off in verse 25 here. He says, now concerning virgins. So now he's taking another stop those who were single, those who've never been married. This is who I'm speaking to. And he says, I have no commandment from the Lord. There's nothing speaking to in the scriptures directly from the Lord that says how this is to work out. But I have judgment. I have wisdom from God. I am trustworthy. By his mercy, the Lord has shown me that I'm going to depart to you, understanding of how and how to deal with as a virgin when it comes to uh, being married or staying single and how God sees things. So he starts off dealing with the unmarried, who refers to the virgin but, You know, could technically maybe someone who uh, may not be a virgin, but the key thing is here is that regardless, within a Christian home, those who are single need to stay celibate, period. Those who are virgins who have never been with a man or been with a woman before are to stay a virgin until you're married, period. There is no other gray area of justification in God's eyes that you should do anything outside of it because it's His will, it's His perfect will that is what brings blessing to an individual who stays uh, single and pure, during that stage or that status of life. So it stands right out front that right in verse 26, I suppose, therefore, it is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. So we're going to see three reasons. God is going to reveal to us three reasons why you should stay single or stay in the status that you find yourself. And the very first one he gives us of why, you would, if you're single today, why you should stay single. Because it's good. It's, it's, it's not bad. It's, in today's world, it's like, you're single? and How old are you? You're, you're already 20, and you're not married, and you don't have, you haven't dated, and you haven't been around. And you that's the world, because the world says, of course your flesh needs to be fulfilled. Just find anybody who will. But that's not how it works, according to God. Then, when you get to 25 as a, as a man, typically, oh, I can understand. You're 25. You're still young. But for a woman, sometimes 25 is like, oh, you should be really getting close to figuring who you're going to get to marry.
1: But when a woman hits 30, it's almost like,
0: oh, oh, you know, what are we going to do? Get everyone praying, it's, it's the end of our life. It's, it's crazy how society thinks today. But if you look at the scriptures, being single is good. It's, it, it's, it's good because of what? The first reason? The present distress. It appears during this time, it, it, Paul saying, man, you're single and you should stay single because of the distress, because of the things that are happening in society, the persecution that's going on. It is best that you stay single because you're going to need to be, remain single because of the flexibility and potentially of how God is going to use you in this time of distress. Apparently, in, in Corinth, there is a lot of distress going on, and there's some advantage of being single. Now, some people say, well, what are the advantages of being single in time of distress? Well, we can easily imagine. You're in a time of distress. It's not hard for us today because we can clearly see it's taking place in our brothers and sisters around the world. You can see a man sitting on TV today being beheaded, if he is single, will that affect a wife and children? No. It will affect, yes, mom and dad and relatives, yes, but he does not have to worry about being standing fast in his faith for what he stands for, and he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's willing to proclaim Jesus Christ as his Savior overseas. He'll cut your head off. Well, in these times, during this time, it was obviously distress around those who were faithfully following Jesus, and to be a single man, it was better to be, say, single so it doesn't have an impact on a wife and children. Imagine if you're a man and you have a wife and children, and these barbarians come to you and say, I'm going to cut your head off. I love Jesus, do what you need to do, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord no more pain, no more no more crying, I'm going to be fine. But if you have a wife and children, these barbarians typically will not touch you. They'll usually go for the wife and the children. Think of how much husbands and fathers that will cut you to the core to watch them really The difference of being single and having the responsibility of protecting the right and children in the family. I, I really hope it never happens or that you, or actually, you know, I, I can't even imagine it Other than the Lord would bring the Spirit and somehow actually, you know, protect us. But there is an advantage of being single, Paul said. In time of distress, stay single, don't do it. But it's also keep in perspective. Even during time of distress, don't get in your head that says, oh, I'm going to leave my wife and my children because it would be better if I you know, leave them and go do what I need to do for the Lord. But no, he's not saying abandon your wife and children now because of the distress that's going on in society. He wasn't saying that to them. He was just saying, if you're single, remain, man, remain as you are single because it would be better. And then verse 27, says, are you bound to a life? Do not seek to lose, be losing. Are you losing a life? Do not seek a wife. I always encourage men, you sometimes when I read and I share this, this, uh, this scripture with the single men, guys, don't go seeking after a wife. You don't have to seek after a wife. Just, just be obedient to what God's called you to do today. Work hard. Take care. Serve the Lord. Be flexible. You are flexible. You have no other responsibilities besides work and serving the Lord. Be flexible. Don't seek after a wife because if you will seek after and constantly looking and prowling around, you're going to be very discontented Just be focused on serving the Lord. He will bring your attention to a wife if he wants to add a wife to your life. Just be patient. Just stay focused on don't seek after. That's what Paul's saying here. You're, you're not bound. Don't be loosened. Don't go looking for a way to get out of the marriage. Here, he's kind of laying out that same principle we talked about in verses uh, 17 through 24. But also, don't if you're single, don't strive to find a wife. Say focus on something. Say focus on what he's called. And then he said in verse 28, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. It's not, see, the problem the Corinthian church, the Corinthian Christians were having is that they felt it was somehow more spiritual and you're more holy if you were single and celibate. Like it was like, oh, you've given in, man. Why did you get married? Like you're giving in to something. You should have stayed strong. No. If God puts on your heart and he brought a, a, a that woman or that man is your life, and it's good, and it's right, and it's of God. You should remarry. It's not a sin. And those who are virgins marry. It's not a sin that they marry. Nevertheless, such will have trouble, though, in the flesh. But I will spare you. So he's basically saying, I'm trying to tell you, if you can remain single, God has given you the ability, the gift of singleness, as we talked about in the very beginning of chap- uh, uh, chapter 7, Then stay single is good, it's right, because once you get married, there are some challenges when it comes to marriage. There's going to be trouble in the flesh, he says here. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, you have to understand, marriage is about two individual, two imperfect people coming together, living together, struggling through the changes of life. Blue, what? The male speaks blue and hears blue and sees blue. Everything's blue.
1: Well, the women is all about
0: pink. Everything they hear and see and speak is pink. Blue and pink sometimes do not bring clarity. And so what happens is there's going to be trouble in the flesh. So the clash is going to rare up when things are not clear. What she meant by that? Or the hidden messages we all as men always think yeah, that women have hidden messages. What did she really mean by that? And we were like, you know, we just, because men dream. You know, one minute we're saying, oh, I'm not sure, what, you know, woman, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. And the next minute in the conversation is like, we're going to buy this and we're going to go here and we're going to do this. And and then the women, we just be patient with them. We dream. That's how God works in our life. We dream things. Just let us go and just do what a good woman does smile and encourage us. And yes, we'll pray about that I and mean, let's pray about You know, okay. But it really is. We'll work through those things. God usually brings us around. But there's trouble in the flesh when you do Because there's opposites. God brings us together. He's knitting us together. It's like a, 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 a two different yarns and they just need to be knitted together. And once that is afghan is created, that blanket is created by God. a oneness. In God's will, exactly. Where
1: now he goes on in
0: verse 29. He gives us the specific reason why you want to urges the people here in Corinth to stay sin. He warns them here, but to this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had, what? None. Ooh, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you right up front, men, that if you're married, do not act like she's not present. And don't act like you don't have to talk to her or to have a conference together about and discuss things through, like, oh, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is that a time is short. Paul is just just making sure they understand that the things of this world are drawing close. That the end of the world is coming. There is going to be a time where the Lord is going to come back and take us out of here and snatch us out. We call rapture. Up uh, uh, to, uh, to so we're, it, it's going to take us out of here and be in the presence of the Lord. So the time is short. So being single, it, time is short. We have to reach the people who are lost. We got to share the good news. We need to disciple people. We need to help people through time. Time is short. So it's a good reason. The second good reason why you should stay single because it remains flexible and you can go and come and wherever the Lord is directing you, you don't have to. What do you think? What do you think? you think going to the remote jungles in Africa is what we should be all doing with 10 kids? You know, guys sometimes would think crazy things like that. Now, if you're single, you can go to the remote jungles of Africa with your little bag <laughs> and, and nothing else planned. You know, you go will take care of you. But when you have a family, you cannot just up and leave. But he also says here, in verse 20, you cannot be so consumed by a family where you're not then doing what God's going to call you to do. Yes, time is short. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 44, therefore You also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So he's basically giving two principles to the people and for you and I today. One, Jesus is coming back. And two, you must have a principle and mindset that to keep a loose touch on this world because it's temporary. Don't grab a hold of this world like it's going to always be there. Like it's, it's like a, you're you never going like some people in the world today, oh, I'm never going to die. You know, they don't even think about it. They don't want to think about it because they got too many places, and their bucket's too full, that they haven't even started working on their bucket list, so they start grabbing a hold of these things of this world. Versus the time is short. Don't be trying to get your perfect world in place and, and everything in order and all these things. Make sure you have a philosophy of life that says, ah, this is, it's about eternity, not about a temporal world. It's about eternity of heaven, not a temporal world. That is what your perspective needs to stay focused on. Filter everything like that. You get wrapped up in the world, then you become very temporal. And you are going to see why that doesn't work. Now, not only three reasons why you should stay safe, also touches on three potential pitfalls or three obstacles that could keep us from investing into eternity. Keeping us our minds on this world versus thinking heavenly. And he gives us our very first one here as the first potential pit, uh, pitfall in the areas of relationships. He says here that at the very end of verse 29, that even those who have wives should as though they have none. And see, what happens is Paul is not encouraging and neglecting the family, but he's basically saying to you and I that you need to keep the family in perspective of making sure you keep God and eternal focus first in regards to how you work within and manage and believe your family. I'll give you a perspective. It's very common that I hear. I'll go to the single person. They'll come to me and they're on fire for the Lord. Oh, my God is going to send me to, to, to the mission field. Praise the Lord. Where are you going to go? I don't know yet, but I know I'm going to the mission field. Next, next Sunday comes. Here he comes in. How's it going? How's the progress going to the mission field? Oh, I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm going to go over to Europe. Oh, really? You're going to go to Europe? Yeah, I'm going to travel Europe. For the Lord? Oh, yeah. I'll go. Share the good news as I go, you know. But I want to see Europe. The ball next Sunday. How's it going? Oh, you know. I'm not sure what the Lord has for me. I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I really want to get married. I really want to settle down. That's what everyone's telling me. I'm missing out, you know. I'm like, I don't Praise God. Has He shown you that? No. Go. Are you out there seeking? You? Lord and serving the Lord. He'll bring your wife if you wants you to.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm out
0: there. I've got my buddies looking for me and everybody's looking for me. My mom's especially is looking for me. My grandmother's looking for me. My great-grandmother's looking for me. Everyone's looking for me. The next Sunday he comes in what happens? I found a woman. So, are you going to go to the mission field with him? Oh, I don't know. Are you going to go to Europe with him and spread the gospel? No, I don't know. But once I'm married and I'm settled down, after about a year, then I'll do something for you. Oh, okay. Then you see them a few months later, and you've got a woman, go you've got... Go on, and you've got go so, what are you gonna do now? You're all settled. Oh, we're about to have a child. Got one child on the way, can't do anything. We gotta just settle in with a child and see how that thing first. Weeks go by, months go by. Child's two. How's it going? Oh, we're so busy, we've got sports, we got dance, we've got music training, we've got uh, you won't believe we're traveling with this child. We're, he's actually getting in and getting, and she's gonna get into modeling too. And oh, by the way, we're really busy preparing for college for the two-year-old, too. So we can't, we don't have time to go do anything for the Lord. See, that's what Paul is saying. You get family, so wrapped up in family, and you have this plan of what you're going to do with your children, how you do going to do them in sports, and all that stuff, you will not serve the Lord. You will find every excuse in the book. And you will be tested, and the enemy will try to figure out a way to get you not to serve during this time of life. It never ends. And even after the kids are grown up, I have to wait for them well, we're older now, it's kind of easy to start over, you know, we got the house, we got, again, you can just focus and keep what God has put in your heart and make sure you follow through and be obedient with what God is calling you to do. And he's called you whatever state you are single, married, kid, without kids. She provides a dozen or none. He'll provide for you and he'll guide you. Do you trust him? Joshua 24 15 was our verse for our family because our family was tested as well. Getting saved, that was mind boggling changed life. Then we started serving in the children's ministry. I was a, willing to be a helper in the children's ministry. That's as far as I was willing to go. But God had bigger plans for me. and the, I didn't know that. But I was okay. Because my wife told me you're going to come help me in the children's ministry. You're going to help these kids come. Okay, wife, well, Okay, here we go. But that's from the Lord, right? Um, but then we got a me. But we were challenged. Kids swam. But it seems like every turn was always in a Sunday. Not a Sunday. It's always on a Sunday. Work always seemed to want you traveling in a Sunday. This, this, that always seemed to pull you away because you're so busy, they do not have a damn rest. I can't believe this. Sure. But here's the point we came with Joshua 24 15. I don't think the whole school the whole part, but it's the end part that is really key for us in our scripture that held us focused on eternal perspective and kept everything in He says, And it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, small g, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river in the old life, or the gods of the Amorites? In whose land you dwell in now? But here's the key part of the verse. But as for me and my house, we serve And we pass passed that everywhere. Because we wanted a, an eternity perspective at all times when the struggles of this world and our flesh starts pulling us and trying us to go through our bucket list all the time. We said, Lord, we're going to stay focused on you. We are going to seek you first. Seek first the kingdom of God, Mom and Dad. Seek Him first. Watch, then everything else falling into place. It says, doesn't that? But, but Seek first the kingdom of God in righteousness. All these other things. If I can encourage you the most today. Please stay focused on an eternity perspective and watch Him add to your family and take you places with your family. We've never done without. We've never been felt like empty or discontented. We've always been fulfilled with peace and joy as we seek and serve the Lord. Yes, people said to do this. Why aren't you doing this travel here? God took care of us. Just seek. Determine as a family, as a husband and a wife, determine that you will seek God first in all things and serve Him. And you will watch Him His good and right to Him. It is as simple as that. Not always it easy. It's simple, but not easy. But that's His verses of New England, you. We see a second obstacle. In verse 30, The second obstacle that could keep you and I from keeping an eternity perspective is our area of emotions. Not only area of relationships, but areas of emotions. He says in verse 30, those who weep as though they do not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. See, the time is short. That time is short attitude, oh, time is short. We really need to be about the Father's business. We really need to stay focused. What are we doing and how are we spending our money? How we spend our time? How how do we do that? But sometimes this obstacle of emotion can can really pull us in and and, in the the turmoil. Can you imagine in Corinth the distress and the turmoil and the persecution because they're Christians, the followers of Jesus, the, 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 the those those individuals who follow the way. They're persecuting it. They're losing their jobs. Their lives are being threatened. I mean, the division among relationships you have, especially among, with even within families. How that can bring a depression or an oppression or sometimes this this this. This cloud of darkness can come up over you because of the, the things that are happening in your life. And when that happens, typically what happens is people say, I need to internalize, I need to focus on myself, I need to have self-help, and I need to repeat for myself and get my mind straight. And you start internalizing, thinking that is the answer for you. But let me reassure you, all these health, Self-help folks out there that are a has not helped people. Matter of fact, it causes more problems. You've heard me say this so many times. The more you think about yourself, the more miserable you will become. But if you will focus on the Lord, and then you will then focus on others, being others focused, you will find that God is going to lift you up out of yourself and put it on to what He wants you to do, and then He works through your life empowering you, and you will watch you come out of that depression. Because if you spend so much time analyzing yourself of why you're depressed, or why you don't think you're, you're feeling that real jiggy here, then you're gonna find yourself staying in that state because you keep focusing on that state. That's why I believe by the scripture, it's so clear, if you have an addiction, it is not about focusing on the addiction. And yes, celebrate recovery, I've got that. But celebrate Jesus, and celebrate helping another. Get your eyes off yourself and your past and the things that you've admired, the very dark place you've been before, and move on. Because God is not focused on you. He's, He's forgiven your sin. He is put on a side. He's tossed them to the far west, to the east, north, south. He is nowhere to be seen. Why do you spend more time every day meditating on those paths, But focusing on what God has for you in the future? And that's my faith, because He doesn't always give you only one step at a time. One step in front, of you. soon you'll be in God. So that's why it's the secret, is the secret sauce here is not getting wrapped up in emotions, not getting wrapped up into the, and even the highs. I know some people, one moment, one Sunday, they're just forlorn and they're depressed looking and you can't even can see their eyes, their heads down, and the next day, they're swinging off the sandaliers that we have, because the emotions are so high and so low. Because they're getting wrapped up in emotion and not having a steady rock that they stand on, and that's where you get steadiness when you focus on the Lord. He is our rock that we stand on, not the quicksand of those emotions of this world. Paul says. Efforts is all around possessions. He who is caught up in building up your wealth, your investment portfolio, your positions, your, your passion for possessions, for big ticket items. I need a house. I need this car brand. I need to be able to travel and do this and have this and do that. And you can get caught up in, in your self identity. It's, a, it's, a, it's prone to many men, they young men who. I gotta have this souped-up car, and it has to be a certain way, and that's your. It becomes your little god. And if I've got my car, and they look at my car, and it, don't touch my car. Keep parking in the tenth parking lot. You know, don't move near my car. But well, look at my car, because that's identity for me. And yeah, get around people in my, in my business world. I in. they're talking about their portfolios. Have you hit your two million mark or your million mark? And you're. Your reserves and your 401k, and they're constantly talking about their, they're striving to build up their, their, their money. I've got a house, and I need a bigger house. Why do you a bigger house? you children. <laughs> we have big plans, you know. <laughs> we're gonna have lots of kids, we're gonna double up, you know, dormitory to side you But again, bitch. to know? There's nothing wrong with being a good steward of what God has blessed you, because if you're faithful in small things, He's faithful in life. Giving more, to be faithful in that too, but it's not to be for you to buy up the next bigger house or the next bit upgrade of car or all those things. That could be, but that's not where you start. Because if you put an eternal perspective in serving the Lord, you're going to find that you're going to His increase is for His kingdom, not for your kingdom. That's why I believe God gives us the commandment of tithes, gifts, and offerings. He gives that commandment we are to tithe. Why? Because He knows how self-focused we can be. How we can want more. Something bigger. We're never content. We just always want more. He says, No, you have a commandment to tithe gifts Stop. You're to tithe the tent. That is what you do for the kingdom, so it can break you from the singleness, break you from the selfishness, get you to get outside because you're going to use that because you know when you give, you're like, I'm really giving it, because it's going to be used for God's kingdom, and reaching people and reaching more. So he puts that because he wants us to be free from the bondage of possessions. And then Paul ends in verse 31 and says, "For the form of this world is passing." What is this saying, don't? He didn't say, don't focus on your emotions, just bury those emotions. He's not saying that. He didn't say that you should sell everything and don't have anything and live on the street. He's not saying that. But when you have an eternal perspective and you keep Him first and allow Him to guide your life and give you wisdom to do what, what relationships come in your life, what you're dealing with at that moment emotionally, and what you need to do to provide, because God says to work so you provide or whoop over your head and food on the table and clothes on there. He's faithful to help you do that. But he says to all you. Maintaining a solid walk, a personal walk with Jesus. And serve Him wholeheartedly. Love Him with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength. So, Lord, what do you have? I'm not going to give a lukewarm approach. You tell me to do it. Do we not? you want the answer of having peace and having a sense of joy in your life with you with the turmoil that's all around you and the kids are going crazy and, and blues and, and sickness and, and everything going on? Do you still want joy, ladies? The answer is just keep your eyes on Jesus and be willing to invest in other people. And we will watch First Verse Jesus, 30, 30 says, but I want you to be married, cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So we see a third reason here, starting in verse 32, of why um, the third reason of un- why you should stay single. And it's good to be single. Why? Because I, he doesn't want he says here, without cares So because if you're unmarried the cares of this, uh, the only thing you can focus on is the cares of what God wants you to do. You're just, it's just you and the Lord. And all you folks, are, God, what, is, what pleases you today? What do you need for me to do today? I am so flexible in my schedule. Just direct my life because I want to please you. That's all I, I just really want to do. But verse 33 But if he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Because if a guy is married, he can't just wake up and say, Lord, it's just me and you. Where do you want to go? He has to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And what does my wife need? How do, I, how do I take care of my wife? How do I please her? How is that going to put some responsibilities to the children? How am I going to protect them? What do I need to provide for them? I need to provide. I can live in a, you know, in, a, in, a in my car, but I can't ask my wife my children live in the car. So you have things of this world you have to care for. You can't just simply focus on what the Lord wants. You have to be paying attention to what's God wants you to do in regards to pleasing your wife. And first thing, if, then, if you notice that, you're supposed to please your wife. <laughs> that's, that's a ministry that God's called you to do. You know that. That means you, do, you need to know thy wife. So study her. Study her really well. I love asking you that. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she, who is married, cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband, women. Your ministry is what? You're to learn your husbands. Know your husbands so you can what? Please your husbands. Yes, you must. It didn't say please your children. What does it say that? Hello? Are you with me? It's not about pleasing your children. It's about pleasing your husband. Do not get that out of back. And then it says in verse 3, And this I say for your own profit, men and women. Brothers and sisters, it's for your profit. You're going to benefit if you there's blessings that are going to come, doing it God's way. He says there's proper. Not that I may put a leash on you. He's not saying I'm not putting some str- restraint on you and guiding you like some animal. No, 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 no. This is going to profit you. This is freedom by doing what God has called you to do this. Way. This is not a you know, it's single. It's okay. It's freedom to do, to live like this. But for what is proper. That you may serve the Lord without distraction. So, there's that third reason why you can remain single. So, it doesn't distract you from what God has you to do for him. There's no distraction. You may distract yourself, but you can't blame it on the woman. Adam blamed the woman. You can't blame the woman if you're not married. You don't children, you can't blame. It i the Lord have children. You would have given me a woman who really would want to African into the deep jungles if she didn't And then here's says in verse 36, but if, a man, if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, and she, if she is past the flower of youth, she's getting older, she's older, married, in the married age there, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes, he does not sin, let him marry. No, nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart having no necessity, but has power to the and has so determined Virgin does well. So then, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. Here, in verses thirty-six through thirty-eight, he's speaking about the, during this time where the fathers had the the say in pre-arranged marriages. So Paul is speaking to the dads here. Says, "Okay, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a young lady." No longer in the baby. In the youth time here past the youth in the flower beefing, she can get married here. When it comes to making a decision, does she get married or does she stay single? Now, as a father with two daughters, I would love to have that arranged marriage still happening today, to be honest with you. But I've been reassured that I'm not going to I have a say, but I don't have the whole say. But I can understand why you have barrel arrangements. <laughs> but here Paul is saying, You have a young lady it's you. It's better if she's, God's called her and gifted her to be single. You do not force her to get married. Or you do not force her not to be married. Let the Lord work what he has planned for your daughter. It's his daughter, is it not? So many times we think our children, we get possessive. They're my children. No one has a say in my children, and what they're going to do or not. Let me remind you, my brothers and sisters, moms and dads. They're his children. He only temporarily gives them to you to raise them up according to the ways of the Lord. Then they get married, or they stay single. Either way, it's okay. God has a plan for their life. Do not put unnecessary things. Which is not. I, I'm guilty. Of it, right? Single daughter, praying for a hu- godly husband. I should be seeking, Lord. Do you want her to be married first? Versus automatically telling, you. <laughs> she's going to have to be married with a godly husband. You know what I'm saying? I have to keep it in perspective. Even you know, I have to. And then the scripture spoke to me this week. going, keep it in perspective. I've got a plan for your daughter. And it's good. And if she, if I expected her single, and sickle, then what at the very end of that verse does get you? It's good. It's awesome. Then he continues on here. here. says, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. But catch the last part of that verse. Only in the Lord she cannot just marry anyone. She has to marry a godly man. He has to marry a godly woman. And not only them saying that they are a Christian, but that God is leading and brought him to her. That he brought her to him. That God is arranging that. Not because you guys, you were out there and you're, you're, you're born, born with your wife early and your and your 50s or 60s and you think you're going to die because you don't have a woman around you. Let me reassure you, God is your all enough. Teach the old dog how to cook and take care of you and provide for you. Where they don't, God is in control of these things. Seek him first before you automatically start out there hunting for another 50, 60 year old who could come take care of you. But if that's what God has for you, be patient and still, and let God look at the time. And she. Verse 40, but she is happier if she remains as she is. She'd be happier if she just stays in the According to my judgment, all judgment, Paul's perspective, I think I also have the Spirit. God is showing me, revealing this to you as I write these answers to your questions. The Spirit is moving. Paul will affirm that celibacy is a good state. He does it in convincing it. not because sex itself is evil, as these Corinthian Christians thought it was, but instead the unmarried state can be superior because it offers a person who's gifted to have the gift of celibacy more opportunities to serve the Lord and flexibility to do great things for the kingdom. But remember, building a Christian home is a great ministry. A great ministry. But nobody should enter into it lightly, carelessly, or desperately. Did you hear me? young lady you never want to be married out of desperation or out of carelessness. Just because he breathes and says, and says one word, Oh, I'm a Christian, it makes him a Christian. It does not. You don't do it right. I can fix it all once we get married. I can fix it. we we'll make it rest Just right. We'll get them to eat tofu eventually. To so also remember, being a Christian single is a great ministry. To serve the Lord with spontaneity, without distraction. Because a single married, a single person can literally say, "I am married to." You are my husband, you're my love, you're my best friend, and I'm going to dance with you and you alone unless you ask someone else to cut in, but it'll be you that says, I'm gonna let the young man cut in and you can get married. But until that point, I'm married to you, devoted to you, focused on you, Whether you're single or married, widowed or divorced, be content, Whatever your marital status may be, make Jesus your passion and your center.